just you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you're if, if you're being touched, it's okay. How many know God is so good? Only God. About ten minutes, but that's okay because when His presence is here, Amen. A scripture that that I have been just stuck on all week. is Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. If they'll just put that up there. How many know the Lord is just moving powerfully all across this nation? We know that. God is moving powerfully here. And, and I've come back to this scripture in this season. It says this, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And it says this, and Moses would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Someone say he did not depart. Say it like you had some good breakfast this morning. Say he did not re- depart. He stayed. And we're 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 in that kind of season right now where. I just, I just feel that the Lord is not only inviting us to invite him, but it is a season to linger. It's a season to not be in a hurry. It's a season to let God move. And so I love this because the Bible says that Moses would go to the tabernacle. And the Bible says that as Moses would go to the tabernacle of meeting, God's glory would come. But the Bible says that Moses would go to return to camp. But listen to what it says. His, his young servant Joshua would not leave the tabernacle. Because... Because Joshua, in in this particular context, is getting an encounter that really wasn't even his. He's getting the blessing of what God is doing in Moses. But Joshua is saying, what you're doing is so powerful in this place. What you're doing is so special in this place. I've got to linger just a little bit longer. (laughs) And as I read read this scripture, I, I, I realized... This is actually what God is doing in America. Do you know that this is what happened at Asbury originally? What happened was what seemed like an ordinary chapel. After it ended, there was a group of young people who said, we're not leaving. I want you to think about that. It was a simple posture that said, we sent something. Someone said, we sent something. And we're not leaving. Just let that marinate with you for just a second. I don't know. I don't know all of what the days to come will hold. I don't know all of what it will look like. All I know that God is moving. And I don't want to be in a hurry to move without him. I, I, I am just. There's such an invitation right now to lean in to his presence. To lean into his glory. And God is, I just sense it and I know it. He is already doing it, but God is doing mighty things. Come on, mighty things. And in a way, when you think about it, really, if, when you really think about it, most revivals happen because people refuse to move. 
Joshua said, I'm not going to leave the tabernacle. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you what? Bless me. How many, I'm thinking of even the issue, the woman with the issue of blood who pressed into Jesus and because she would not relent, she would not relent. God touched her. And of course you think about the the upper room itself. God, God told his disciples and those, his followers, he says, what did he say? Wait in Jerusalem. Uh, the, 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 an older translation would be tarry or wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high because you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But notice that the book of Acts, and of course we know that God came on the day of Pentecost for a reason to fulfill that feast, but still they were there in the upper room. What were they doing? They were lingering. Because when you really think about it at some capacity, whenever God has done anything significant, it's because there, were a, there was a person or a people that recognized the moment and said, we're not going to get up from this moment. And what that means is, it, sometimes that doesn't mean literally you're going to wait in one geographical place until he moves. It, what it means sometimes is we're not going to leave what you're doing, Lord, until you finish what you're doing, until you have your way. It looks like it looks like being in here this morning and saying, Lord, have your way. But you know what it looks like? It looks like tomorrow morning when your feet hit the ground before you do anything else. You're saying, Lord, I'm already waiting. Well, actually, he's already waiting for you. But you, you, you put your feet on your ground and say, Lord, I'm already starting this day, putting my feet on the ground and saying, Lord, I'm here. I'm not going to move from what you're doing. I'm not going to move until you touch me. I'm not going to move until I get a glimpse Come on, how many of you have that passion in your heart burning right now? And so there's there's an invitation right now of his presence. There's an invitation. And I want to say this. It is okay. It is more than okay to have that desire to linger. Amen. This morning, my, my message was supposed to be Last week I spoke about first love and I'll just say this and then I got to close. I talked about first love and, and, and just briefly last week I talked about many times when we think about first love in the context was the, the church in Ephesus when Jesus is, when Jesus is uh, telling John about the church of Ephesus. He's saying I have this against you that you've left your first love. And so he's calling the church back to first love. And that's what God does in every move of God. One of the first things he does is he addresses that issue. And he says, I'm calling you back to myself. But so many times what happens is when we think about first love, first love is not necessarily an emotional state, although it is. It's a fervency. It's a a passion. But I want to say this, that passion, that first love passion does not begin in us. It begins in him. When he says return to your first love, he's not saying necessarily return to an emotion or return to an experience, although that is good. He's actually saying return to a person. Because John said we can only love him because he what first loved us. And so that's why in every revival, God 
as he brings his people back to first love, that's why he has to bring, listen to me, the cross back to centrality. Because the cross is the altar whereby the son of God demonstrated his love for us. John says, I, can, I love him because he first loved me. So the, the ingredient, the, the secret, and it's really not a secret, but it hides on the pages. Because when we have that desire to return to first love, sometimes we look within. We say, okay, conjure it up. And, and that's a good desire. But the key to actually returning to first love is to turn your eyes fully to him again. Because as you behold the beauty of the cross, your heart will begin to burn. That's why... The apostle John tells us throughout his gospel, that's why he never takes credit for the love that he has for Jesus. He does something unique amongst all the gospels. He describes himself as the one whom Jesus loves. And if revival is a return to first love, if it's a return to a person, listen to this. It's a return to a reality because I want, I want you to hear me this morning. The commandment to love God with all of our heart was given. But if we could have loved God with all of our heart, we would have done it a long time ago. This is so simple, but it's so And this is what God does in revival is he brings us back to the, to the plain and simple things. And he brings us back to the cross. Because if we could have loved God with all of our heart, we would have done it a long time ago. We've had the commandment for thousands of years. But here is the difference. Israel got the commandment to love God with all of their heart. And we as Christians have the commandment to love God with all of our heart. This is the difference. Their commandment came from Sinai. Our starting place is the cross. The law demanded that we love God perfectly. But the gospel is an announcement that God has loved you perfectly. Do you hear me this morning? The law says you must love God perfectly with all of your heart. And God says, I knew you could not fulfill that commandment. So what he did in the gospel, the gospel is an announcement that while we were dead in our trespasses, he died for us. So that he did not wait for us to love him. He said, I'm going to love you. And the gospel is actually going to be the fuel you need. And this is why John removes the credit away from himself. And I wrote this down. And then about two minutes start to play. Can't get to my message today, but I'll just say this. I wrote this. Right now, I can't get away from the cross. You'll just have to forgive me. And I wrote this down. In revival, not only is the Lord returning us to our first love, the Lord is also bringing us back to the cross, and there are many reasons for that. I could talk about many reasons he's bringing us back to the cross. Not only because of first love, because... The fire of first love comes from the altar of the cross. But God is bringing us back to the cross because everything that we become and everything that we do and everything that 
this is was supposed to be marked by the cross. I'll give you, can I give you just one example of why he's got to bring us back to the cross? How is it that the Western church gives, see, we, we, we are so blessed to be a part of a church that has a passion for missions. This, our church, and, and I'll just brag on us for a second, this church is very unique in that a considerable amount of our budget goes to missions. But explain to me how the church in the West gives less than half of 1% to missions. Because we've moved away from the cross. Because when we move away from the cross, our priorities shift away from what, listen, from what matters most to Him. And then we decide what matters most. And I wrote this down because I begin to think about it. I'm like, Lord, I know your cross is supposed to touch everything, but what does that mean? Does that mean every sermon has to be on the cross? I felt like the Lord whispered back, no. Does every, does every sermon have to literally be about the cross? Does every worship song have to literally reference the cross? And I felt like the Lord said, no. But everything that is done should be touched by the cross because unless it is touched by the cross unless it is marked by the cross and let me speak this unless our life is marked by the cross there's no power I felt the other day I I I wept to my bathroom because I, I, I it hit me I, I, I don't know when I will preach this it's something the lord gave me the other day i was reading second timothy chapter three and i was reading where it says in the end days men shall become lovers of themselves and it lists all of these sins and it says this they have a form of godliness but they deny the power in other words but listen to what it one translation says this it has a they have a form of godliness but they reject the power and i said lord how is it possible to have a form of godliness but to reject the reject the power and I really felt like the Lord showed me he said Andrew what the enemy has done is he's worked really hard to drum up and present a Christianity that is crossless it's a Christianity where you can come and get all the benefits of Christ all the blessings of Christ all the things you want without the cross because you see the cross if you don't want to surrender the cross is an inconvenience to get what you want Because if you look at what he says as a form of godliness, but reject the power, Paul made it clear in his epistles. He said, I don't come to you with the eloquence of wisdom or man's speech. He goes, I come to you in the demonstration of power. But this is what he said, for I'm determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. He said, for it is the power of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, listen to what he says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, for it is the what? Power of God unto I used to read that as this, when the gospel is preached, miracles will happen. And that is true, but I I missed it. He didn't say just power will follow the gospel. He said the gospel is 
It is the power. You see, because I think at times we've tried to access the resurrection power, but don't want the cross. And they're forever inseparable. And if we want the power of God, we have to bear, we have to have the cross mark our life because the glory of God cannot touch anything that is not marked by the cross and the blood. I want you to stand with me to your feet. And I wrote this. I believe what we're seeing in this revival is God is rearranging the priorities of the church to camp around the presence of God again. Where the Lamb of God will be the central focus again. Can you just put up one of those pictures? I want you to see something. Pastor taught on this a long time ago. I had this picture. I just want to show it as we close. As they load it. I want you to think about this for just a second. In Numbers chapter 2, and you can do this with a pen. You do it right. Go read Numbers chapter 2. God grouped the children of Israel into groups of three. Judah, Issachar, Zebulun. Reuben, Simon, Gad. Dan, Asher, Naphtali. Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin. Do you see that? And it actually, it's funny, the book of Numbers, it's really about numbers. He gives you the numbers in each tribe. And he, he tells them where they're supposed to be positioned. And then the Levites, who are like a 13th tribe, but they're a tribe completely consecrated unto the Lord. They are the Lord's. The Bible actually says that their inheritance was the Lord himself. They weren't even allowed to own land. Listen, look at where they're positioned. In the middle of the camp. And then in the middle of the Levites was the tabernacle where the glory of God was. But what do you see? And at the center, at the heart of the cross, is the glory of God. God, and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'm done, and we're going to pray. I believe one of the greatest shifts that is happening right now in the church that not only are we coming back to camping around the presence where the cross and the lamb are central but I believe one of the greatest shifts that is occurring is that God is bringing us back to a heart to minister to him first because in heaven they're around the throne and they're saying what worthy is the And if we want heaven and earth to be aligned, 
How powerful would it be if Jesus was the center of his church again? And in heaven and in earth. We're beholding the the beauty of the cross and the beauty of the lamb. And we gather here. Oh, make no mistake. When you gather, you're going to get something from the Lord in this place. There's always bread in his presence. There's always joy in his presence. There's always healing in his presence. But but get, get what I'm saying. God is bringing us back to a place where we're going to camp around the presence of God. God, you don't have to do anything else for me. Even if I don't get a word. Even if I don't get a healing. Even if I don't get a breakthrough. Even if you don't do what I, I need you to do or ask you to do. I'm still going to come. You know why? because of the cross there's one that's been found worthy and he's worthy of our worship he's worthy of our adoration and as we embrace the cruciform life again this thing will become less and less about what we can get and more and more about what we can give because he is beautiful I want you just to lift up your hands with me there's anyone in this place that has not received the Lord as your Savior and you want to do that, would you just wave at me? Come on, wave at me. God bless you. Bless you. Online. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, dear Heavenly Father. I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit. I declare that you are the Lord of my life. And by your grace, I will follow you all the days of my life. In your mighty name. Come on, let's give him a hand clap. Let's give all those who prayed that prayer a hand clap. And they're going to put this on the screen. These are our next steps. And the Lord moved so powerfully at alt, uh, uh, during worship, I didn't even have time to say this. If you're our first time guest today, we, we don't want you just to come in and leave. We want to meet you. And immediately following this service, we're going to be right out there in the lobby. But Inspired Church, before we leave this place, would you lift your hands with me? I'm just going to open these altars. So many of you have already come. This is a season where there's a river here. So I'm opening these altars. If there's anyone that needs to come, if we didn't pray or you feel like you didn't get get prayed for yet or you want to come and pray, these altars are open. But let me pray a blessing over you for those who have to leave. Father, we thank you for what you're doing at Inspire Church. Thank you that this is a special place to you, Lord. I thank you that this is like a house of Bethany to you. And I thank you for a special season of visitation. I thank you for a special season of marking. And for bringing us back. to our first love. 
that God you're, you're making the lamb the center of your church again in this nation in this world and we thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing God, I bless your people. I pray that they, when they leave here, God, that they go with your presence. I pray for unusual presence in their home, in their cars, in their time with their family. I thank you for peace, reconciliation, and, and I just Pray for supernatural setups in their daily life. Go before them, around them, behind them. And I pray the blessing of the Lord upon them in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, Inspire Church, let's give the Lord a hand clap.